0: Coronavirus is taking its toll on every area of our lives and nobody knows when the mayhem will end. This is why it is so important to take good care of your finances as well as your health. Stock markets are crashing, employees are working from home, schools and entertainment venues have closed and incomes and jobs are in jeopardy. With so much uncertainty around us, it is time for us all to assess how financially secure we really are. Can you afford to support your family if your income is cut? or you lose your job? And are you torn between buying and selling as the value of your investments dwindle when no one knows when the market will reach the bottom? I'm Alice Hayne, the personal finance editor of The National, and I'm hosting this podcast from my house as I am in self-quarantine with a sore throat. Joining me today is Nairi McFarlane, the Nationals Features Editor, who is based in our Abu Dhabi studio. Also joining the show is Steve Cronin, the founder of DeadSimpleSaving.com, an independent community for financial education in the UAE, who shares his tips from home on how to manage your money in these uncertain times. So Nairi, how are your finances holding up during the coronavirus?
1: Hey, Alice. Um I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I guess everyone's quite unsure, right? I feel like the economic impact's just starting to hit people. Um, I guess it just, I feel like right now it's a matter of keeping your job. Do you think? Yes, I think every industry
0: is being affected in some way. And some companies are already making very difficult decisions. So that they're, they're, Business might be shot, but if they're like, let's say they're in the hospitality industry or the ent- entertainment industry, but also it could be that um, they've had to cancel events, cancel conferences. Therefore, they've had to reduce working hours for staff. We've already seen evidence of that in the UAE. Some companies are already moving to a three-day week. Others are asking about cutting salaries because some companies can't operate at all. If they're running a sports coaching industry, for example, they they literally cannot hold any classes so it's a very difficult time for businesses and for
1: us as individuals
0: yes we've got to be able to hold on to our jobs and be able to uh, continue to earn our salaries
1: yeah I feel like as well everyone around me is really taking stock of spending at the moment which I know sounds like a really basic thing but um a you can't do anything so you can't spend any money but also um, it makes everyone realize about saving you know I've spoken to you about saving before and how important it is but it's really hitting home for people now
0: this is a time to make sure that you have an emergency fund. If you haven't got one, start today. You're not able to go, as you say, Nari, go out and spend money. You're probably not going to restaurants. You're probably not going to the malls for endless shopping sessions. You're just going into the supermarket to get your food and going home. That's what most of us are doing at the moment. You know, I'm holed up at home because I've, I've uh, had a cold. So it means that my kind of outgoings have limited. I'm not spending on petrol because I'm not driving anywhere. All I'm doing is that my husband's going to the supermarket and and doing the weekly shop and the rest of the time I've got children playing board games and using the facilities that we have at home. It's it's a low spending time and it's actually a great opportunity to build up that emergency fund because you don't know what's coming. So if you've already got one, well done, you might as well top it up and take advantage of this time to keep saving more. But if you don't have one, start building up a buffer now because we just don't know what's to come. What is How much should I have
1: for an emergency fund?
0: Well, the recommendation is always to have um, three to six months of expenses. That's that's the kind of standard recommendation. Um, But I always think that's a scary figure because that sounds quite a large amount of money. So I always just say start start you know the moment you start you start building something and as it grows you'll start to feel a little bit more secure and a little bit more relaxed that there is money there stored away and um it's just it's a good opportunity to use the now to build that fund but don't think oh i've got to suddenly have six months tomorrow because you can't achieve that but what you can do is as your income comes in at the end of this month to make sure that some of that is being put aside so you've got a financial buffer and then you keep building on it. And this is something you should keep up, you know, even when the coronavirus eventually disappears, which we're all hoping will happen in, in the next few
1: months. Continue to do it. This is this is, should become a habit now. I think the really obvious thing that I didn't realise at first when people talked about three to six months is expenses is not salary. You don't have to have six months of your salary because that's really scary. You have to think about what you actually need, right? Exactly. And at the moment, you need to be able to pay your rent, you need to be
0: able to buy food, you need to pay your DWA bills. It's those kind of core key expenses that you have. You don't need to have money to buy the latest handbag. That's not part of your emergency fund. You need money for the basics of life, which is to keep a roof over your head, keep your family fed, make sure you have electricity. It's just those absolute basics. Put petrol in your car if you're still going to work. It's just... And also very importantly, meeting your debt repayments. And that's something that people need to factor in now. They really need to try and meet their debt repayments. Yes, there are measures that are going to be put in place to help those affected by the coronavirus. But for those of us who are still working, we still need to meet those debt repayments. But what about you, Nari? I mean, are you are you saving? Are you
1: investing, storing funds? What's your strategy at this time? My strategy is I basically have... Uh an emergency fund thanks to a conversation i had with you about six months ago um and then i have uh savings in new zealand in my home country which i was about to invest i had just basically been too easy too lazy to sort it out um so i just have i saw ray dalio at davos in january say cash is trash but i don't think that's true anymore right i probably should just keep the savings i have as savings at the moment do you think That's a good opportunity to bring in Steve Cronin, our expert for this show, because yes, cash is important. Yes,
0: you need to have an emergency fund, but the markets are crashing. So is this a buying opportunity? And this is something that we need to ask Steve. The markets are pretty grim, Steve. Yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged almost 2,997 points. That's the index's biggest point drop of all time. The S&P 500 has its worst loss since the Black Monday crash of 1987. And London's blue chip FTSE 100 index dropped 4% to its lowest since October 2011. So there's no sign that these falls are going to end anytime soon. So how can investors like Nairi respond to that? What do we do?
2: So firstly, don't panic. That's the most important thing. Uh, You you just said that the Dow Jones had its biggest point fall ever, but that's partly because uh, the Dow Jones was at its highest number ever. And so if the Dow Jones is at 30,000 and falls 3,000 points, um, then back in the day when the Dow Jones was 10,000, then you'd never get a 3,000-point drop because that would have been absolutely huge. So, so I prefer to think in percentage terms. And uh, the biggest drop on the Dow Jones in percentage points was, was in, in uh, 1987, Black Monday. That was 22%. We haven't seen anything like that so far. So we don't have to worry too much. I think the, the key here is that cash is probably king. I wouldn't go investing any cash that you that you might need for for the next, say, 10 years. And so so I I always say it's, it's really important to have a cash buffer, three to six months total expenses. If you have that, plus you've got some cash saved up for your wedding, MBA, new car, house deposit, things like that, then sure, you can start investing the rest in the stock market, but not before.
1: You, but ten years? Really why ten that. years? Oh, yeah, I like... was expecting you to say six months or something. But ten years,
2: you can't you can't invest in the stock market for six months. Like you have to be able to put this money away for a very long time. So you, when you're investing, you have to think with a thirty year mindset. Of course, if you need it, you can always get it back. But it, you shouldn't really be putting that that money. And that's why I, I kind of insist that you think two to five years ahead. And you think, well, what? Might I need? Am I going to do an MBA? Are the kids going to university? Will I need a deposit for a house? Anything that you might need in the next five years and you start saving up towards that. Now, hopefully, if you have a salary, you can, that can still contribute towards your house deposit over the next few years. But if you're going to have some cash set aside, don't put that in the stock market because the stock market crashes again in five years' time, then you end up with a very small house. So so that's why think five years ahead. Think like, are there any things I need?
0: So right now, I mean, obviously the markets are quite scary to watch for the novice investor. Um, so what should people do when they, you're saying don't panic? But if people still want to continue investing, should they wait or just continue as normal? What's your strategy there?
2: So there are, there are different kinds of people. Uh, if, if someone is investing for the very first time, then uh they should try and stick to the plan as what they would do if they're investing in normal time, so they should have a percentage of stocks, a percentage of bonds, and uh they should just put it in if they have a lump sum to invest sure you can you can either just put it in the market or um it looks like the markets will be going down more in the next 3 months or so as we digest all this craziness but we simply don't know so if you let's say you're under 45 you've got a good salary you've got some cash to put in you could put it in say 80% stocks 20% bonds uh, 80% global stock fund 20% global bond fund and and just start putting money in regularly the key to survival really is putting money in regularly if you've already got lots of money in there at the moment, then it's really important that you don't panic and take it all out because those are the people who, who tend to screw up. Uh, frankly, there are people who yanked all their money out of the stock market in 2008 because they were scared and they never put it back in because the market's recovered so fast that they, they just missed the boat and then they never found a time to go back in. Don't be that person. Don't like whip all your money out.
1: Do you see that the market's recovering quickly?
2: I don't know. I, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna pretend that I have a crystal ball. I don't really see the markets recovering that quickly, but uh, the way that these viruses can play out is that within three months they they may have just ripped through the world and then kind of slightly disappear. And if that happens, then yeah, we have to digest. Was probably going to be a recession in Q1 Q2 but then uh, when people start to see vaccines coming out they start to see the numbers of deaths going way down again then things could recover pretty quickly and there might be relief and spending and and positivity so so that's that's one option the other option is that this drags on for a long time and it puts strain on economies that were already feeling strain you look at Italy You look at, uh, I mean, frankly, anywhere in the world, um, we've already got very loose monetary policy that the Fed has reduced uh, bank rates down to zero. So uh, there's not that much ammunition left for for them to support the economy. So yeah, things could also get really, really bad. I think that's why if you have some money to deploy, put it in gently over the next three months. And if you put it in, know that the money could go down further. That's the mindset. You have to have that 30-year mindset. So and what
0: important. should they be investing
2: in? Um again this doesn't really change. You should have you should invest in a global stock index fund like the Vanguard FTSE All World Index Fund and this literally invests in 3700 stocks across 47 countries. That will protect you through massive diversification. Now is not the time to be taking bets on Tesla, Boeing, GE uh, ExxonMobil, anything like that, that's going to be super, super risky. So uh, just as in good times as and as in bad, just buy the world. So that's your stock allocation. Uh, for bonds, again, I would either buy uh, US government bonds, so a fund like VDTY, Vanguard Treasuries, or uh, a fund like IGLA, which is uh, global uh, kind of G seven governments. There is a bit of Italy exposure in there, but uh, otherwise, those two those two bond funds have been doing pretty well in the downturn. I mean, we've seen these funds. People don't like them because they do nothing, you know, for years and years and years, maybe like two percent a year. Now they're up at least twelve percent in the past year, and this is where bonds come into play. And have
0: they gone down at all in the recent
2: downturn? So um, so bonds. Bonds have in in the past month, bonds have shot up. In the past week or so, uh, some some bond funds have gone down a teeny bit, as has gold. It seems like people are just getting out of anything that's not cash. and and so they're trying to stock up on cash. But in general, bonds have been doing what they're supposed to do, which is to go up when when stocks go down, um, and therefore they're're they're, they're protective. One thing that bothers me a little bit people are saying oh bonds are so expensive at the moment maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't buy in but frankly if you if you don't have any bonds and you're just in stocks at the moment then it's going to be a real roller coaster and if if the economy struggles for the next 3 months then having some bonds is is going to going to help protect you protect your portfolio from that volatility.
0: So what should people be doing as well as investing if they have a pot of cash to invest? And they've also got that emergency fund in place. Should they use this as an opportunity to save? Because, you know, jobs may not be that secure at the moment.
2: For sure. Cash is king. I mean, it really is. It's a bit of a cliched expression. But I think in in times like this, it's it's so important. And so I I always say that you need three to six months total expenses as a cash buffer. And... um, I would say, in general, if you stockpile a little bit more cash than that, that's okay. Obviously, there's some great buying opportunities in, in, the, in the stock markets at the moment. But but to have that cash will really protect you and give you that resilience that you need to get through. If you lose your job, then with six months total expenses, you can survive for six months with no income whatsoever. I would say now is not the time to lock up your money in illiquid things. So real estate, for example, now is not the time to get a mortgage and overextend yourself. I I really think that and to to buy an off-plan property or just to buy any kind of property, frankly, especially if it's an investment rather than a home, I would be very wary about that because it's very difficult to get your money back.
1: What about if you are someone, I think a lot of people listening will have saved cash. So cash is king uh, for a deposit on a house. They may not have a house. I don't have a house. I've saved, I'm saving for a deposit on a house. When can I, when can I actually buy that house for my home? Do you think I should wait right now?
2: Personally, I would wait this this situation is unlike anything that we've seen for a hundred years and so we just don't know how it's going to play out and if you have a hundred thousand dollars sitting there ready as a deposit and then you put it in and then suddenly you need that money you cannot get that money back out it'd be very very difficult and so I don't want people to overextend themselves if you if you if you have six months cash as a buffer already and you have things saved up for major expenditures over the next two to five years, and then you've got a bit more spare cash, and then on top of that, you've got money for a house deposit, then maybe it's okay. But I would be very careful. We just don't know what's going to happen to the property markets. We don't know what's going to happen to interest rates. We don't know what's going to happen to mortgages. So, so I, would, I would urge a bit of patience. And we're just talking three to six months here. It's not actually going to be that long in the general scheme. Yeah, of I was
1: going to ask, how long is this fog going to last? I, I guess we don't know because we don't know how the virus is going to play out. But are you, you and Alice and Steve, do you think in six months we'll know a lot more? I think it will
0: be a lot clearer by then. I mean, I'm hoping that the health experts are saying that perhaps the peak will get reached in the next few weeks. And I think once that happens and we start to see cases dropping as they are in China, the, ca- the, the rate of new cases as they are in China, then we'll start to get a little bit more clarity and people will start to be able to breathe again, possibly the wrong pun at the moment, but they'll be able to start to sort of see a little bit of hope and light at the end of the tunnel. And once that happens, that's when we can start to assess the economic implications of what's happened. And that's when everything will become a little bit clearer. Would you agree with that, Steve?
2: Yes, I wouldn't make any decisions until I would say mid-July. And why is that? That's because uh, the end of quarter two is going to be June, the June the 30th. And then it takes a little bit of time for corporates to release their results for Q2. And I think they will start to come out between the 10th of July and say the 20th of July. And I think then we will have a good idea of what's going on with the virus. Has it been contained? How are corporates doing? Are some corporates going to blow up? How are their numbers looking like? I think things will, will, from a statistical perspective, will have lots of data then. At the moment, we don't have much data and we don't know what's going on. We don't know um, whether this virus has been circulating quietly in the US or not, just how big things are. So we're in the dark. I think by mid-July, we'll start to have clarity. Now, there is a danger that we get a second wave of this virus, especially heading into autumn as it starts to get a bit cooler again in the northern hemisphere. We may have a second wave of this virus, especially if it mutates all over again in in the winter period. And, and again, that would uh, be fairly devastating.
1: My home country is moving into flu season. We're about to have winter. So the whole uh, the southern hemisphere also... Uh, could just, this could reverberate there in a couple months as well, if that's the case.
0: The other thing is, though, I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to come, but there are some things that we can do. So, for example, we're talking about, you know, save. This isn't a time to be frittering money away on, on things that we don't need. This is a time to spend very conservatively. And we are helped by the fact that we can't go out. And on top of that, I would say this is a time to make sure you're on top of your debts, If you've got credit cards or loans that are not being managed effectively, this is the time to sort it out. You're not spending as much to try to make sure that as well as saving and building up a buffer, that you're also getting on top of those debts because that's very important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a a great point. I, I can't stress this enough. If you have a credit card balance and you have not paid it off at the end of every month, you must pay that off as a priority. That is the number one priority because that credit card debt will continue to balloon and it will be a major source of uncertainty and stress for you at a time when you do not need uncertainty and stress. So do everything possible, even if you have to move into a tiny room and sleep in a hammock and take your children, well, your children will be out of school anyway. Do whatever you can. In general, if you have debt over 5% interest rates, I I would try to pay that down relatively fast not at the expense of having less than three months cash buffer if you if you can but in general just try and try and pay it down if it's less than that if your if your student loan is two percent there's no hurry to pay that off and i would just keep the cash
0: now the uae central bank has said that those affected by coronavirus are entitled to temporary relief from their Sort of monthly repayments. Um, But we're still waiting for the banks to say exactly how they're going to implement that, how they will assess who has been affected, et cetera, et cetera. But it looks like that for those that, let's say you lose your job because of coronavirus, you could then apply for a special uh, compensation from the bank in that they could say for the next six months, you don't have to make your loan repayments. But we're still waiting to hear exactly how that will manifest itself. But that does not apply to everyone, does it, Steve?
2: No, I would be very cautious about that. For, for me, that's that's the last resort uh, because we just don't know how the banks will respond. And the banks are just not used to being so generous, frankly. I and mean, if you look at SMEs, they, they just really don't like lending money to SMEs. Now that this, this money has been given from the central bank and released and, and, and the thing is, it's been released through the banks and they're just not used to lending to small businesses. If you're an individual... Yes, maybe you'll get lucky, but maybe you won't. I wouldn't rely on that, especially for credit cards. Do whatever you can. Try and earn as much as you can. Try and reduce your expenses as far as possible and and just try to start stockpiling some cash if you are in difficult circumstances.
1: I absolutely think that's fantastic individual advice, but I worry if we're also protectionist, what will happen to all the SMEs around us that need cash flow?
0: Again, the central bank has asked banks to to put in support for SMEs to make sure bank accounts can be opened quickly. Um, but it, it might be that SMEs get into trouble before they even get access to that. We don't know.
2: You can't you can't save all the SMEs by eating at their restaurants, uh, etc. Like especially if they get closed down. Um, yeah, you know, life carries on to some extent. But if we're all forced to stay home. Um, we as individuals can't save those cafes. It's it's up to the government, really.
0: If you are concerned about how the coronavirus affects your finances or have another query you'd like to ask us, send your question to pf national.ae And remember, that's PF for personal finance. So we now have a question from a listener, and this does touch on some of the points that we've already discussed. YK from Dubai says, I want to start investing in my future. But the little I know about the financial markets indicates to me that the markets are falling fast. Is now a good time to start or should I wait until the markets fall even more? So what's your take on that, Steve? Someone wanting to get in right now, what, what should their strategy be?
2: The problem is with trying to time the markets, we just do not know what's going to happen and And that's why you need to have that 30 year mindset. If you do have some cash to put in the markets that you literally don't need for at least ten years, then go for it. because at the moment some of these some of these funds are at two, three, four, five year lows. And so the way to think about it is you are getting a much better deal if you invest today than if you had invested in mid-January, for example, when markets were a lot higher. And, and so you'll you're still be buying at a discount and you'll be holding those shares for 30, 40, 50 years. Now, obviously you could invest and then next week it goes down 10%. And then the week after it goes down another 10%. You have to invest knowing that that's a possibility. So you don't get disappointed. You don't kick yourself. It, it, if you're trying to time the market, you will be disappointed. If you're not trying to time the market, then you, you will just accept that that's part of of the way that the markets work. Now, the the best situation to be in is where you can deploy some money over the next weeks and months. So if the market keeps coming down, it doesn't matter. You can keep putting money in. So this might be money that you have as a lump sum. It might be money from, from your salary, like leftover after your expenses. You can You can start to put that in a little bit every week the market goes down, no problem.
0: And, wh- and why, just to explain to listeners, why is it not a problem? Because basically you're getting more for your money.
2: Yeah, exactly. So if you if you went to Dubai Mall and you saw a nice handbag, you know Louis Vuitton 50% off or Apple, Apple Pro Max 11 50% off, you'd be delighted and you would go and buy that. The only reason people are scared is because they think that when they go to Dubai Mall next week, there's going to be a sign saying Louis Vuitton handbags, 60% off. And then they'll kick themselves for having bought it when it was 50% off. But ultimately, there's a big discount in the markets. Enjoy that discount, make the most of it. Because frankly, in 30 years time, this will just be a, a blip, right? Even 2008, 2001, this in 30 years time, those will be little blips. As I, when I show people charts of the stock market for the past thirty years, and I and I say, okay, on one of these days the stock market dropped twenty two percent, which is nineteen eighty seven. Like, can can you point it out? No one ever says nineteen eighty seven. They just can't see it, and that's because that blip is so tiny now compared to the size of the stock market. And this it will be the same thing in thirty years' time. This will just be a little blip. So so you can invest with confidence now know that it could go down further it could go down a lot but that's why you're going to have a sensible mix of stocks and bonds and i think the way not to panic and i've experienced this myself because i am i am only human is uh, if you look at the etf prices you can see them going up 2% down 10% when they go down you get excited because it's going on sale and be like great it's going it's down 10% where things get hard psychologically is if you start looking at your stock portfolio and your profit and loss and how much you've lost. So if you, if you look at your portfolio and it says you've lost $60,000 since you first started investing this year, then of course you're going to feel bad. So try not to look at that because it's not an actual loss. If you sell and you crystallize that loss, then you have lost $60,000. If you just hold those stocks for the next 30 years, you won't have lost anything at all. You will have gained massively. So it's not a real loss. It's just a paper loss. Try not to look at that. Just look at the, 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 the percentages that the funds are going down, up and down by, rather than looking at your own portfolio. And that will help you get through this.
0: Thank you this week to Nara McFarlane and Steve Cronin. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at the national.aE. And remember, PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne.